The Utah Utes were able to keep their season alive with a massive win over the USC Trojans yesterday, and we're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We do greatly appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys on social media as well as in the YouTube comments as well on today's show. Look, we're just going to talk about what was the biggest win of Utah's season by far, one of the biggest wins in program history, honestly, what I'll call it as well. Just a monumental day for this Utah football team, talking all of that win in its glory versus the USC Trojans. My name is JT Wistersill, and in order to help me break it all down is Dante Guardi joined the show as he does frequently of Ute Zone and Dante. Just going into general thoughts first. I just to start the game, you know, it looked it looked bad. I mean, you give up. Caleb Williams had all day to throw in his first couple possessions. Honestly, for a lot of the game, he pretty much had all day to throw. But even especially early on, his first scramble, he ran for fifty five yards. He had. 10 seconds in the pocket before he decided to tuck it and run it. So just things where it's like the defense isn't going to be able to get a stop. The offense punted when, as soon as the offense punted or even just stalled, drove all the way in the red zone, you miss that, that kick and they go down, go up 14, nothing. You're like, Oh no, we could be in some trouble. Eventually go 21, 17. And there's literally people tweeting out in the press box, like, well, this one's over. And it wasn't because of the offense keeping alive, moving the ball, doing what they do. Utah was able to stay in this and find a way to win in the second half. And what a win it was. That was Personally, my favorite moment I've ever experienced inside Rice-Eccles Stadium, the moment Cam crossed the goal line on that two-point conversion, listening to that place just erupt was incredible, and it just can't be understated what a massive win it is for not just this team, but I really believe this program. Yeah, 100%. Those first two plays that USC ran, I was kind of stoked. Like, they didn't really get anything, and I was like, okay, maybe the defense is going to look good tonight. And then the third down happened, and I was like, yes. oh, maybe not. And it was another slow start for Utah, but – Obviously got the wheels rolling at the right time. You know, defense, while it was shaky, they 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 played when it mattered. You know, that's yeah. they came up clutch at some moments and just kept giving the offense chances. And obviously when you got cameraizing Dalton Kidd at your disposal, uh, no one's no one at the Pac-12 at least is stopping those two. And uh, it showed uh, throughout the entire game. Yeah, and you mentioned Cam Rising. I think that's where I got to go with the first takeaway. This was Cam's best performance as a U. Dante, you made a great point before we even started recording. This is Cam's first real close victory. He had the one opportunity against Florida, wasn't able to get it against Ohio State, had that opportunity taken away from him because he was knocked out of that game late. So for him to come up this big at home, and he's had big wins before, but I mean, they absolutely blew the doors off Oregon in both those games as well. So it wasn't like the game rested on his shoulders at the end. And this one, it completely did. He had to move the ball late, complete that last drive to get Utah in. He had to not only score the touchdown, but get the two-point conversion in as well. And he was just magnificent all day, commanding the pocket, displaying accuracy in total, 29 for 43. He had 415 yards, but overall 450 yards of total offense offense and five touchdowns the red zone efficiency in this game was incredible for both teams usc was six of six utah was six of seven the lone time they weren't didn't get in was when makai fumbled because else they would have scored on that one as well so but cam led this team time and time again we've heard coach whittingham talk about what a great leader and fighter he is and his games like this that make you see exactly why he did a really good job navigating the pocket and credit to the offensive line especially in pass protection i thought they held up well look they're still struggling in the run game and we'll might we'll get into that a little bit later but especially in pass protection held up 
up. But the part of that's Cam as well, being able to tuck it, run it, get those tough yards on fourth and short pretty much every time they turn to Cam. And how can you not? He's so difficult to bring down. He always falls forward and gets those positive yards as well. In terms of accuracy, as I talked about too, just did a great job connecting with Dalton, Devon. And how about the explosive offense coming to life? Money Parks with the deep 45-yard bomb that really erupted the stadium. That felt like a turning point in this game when he completed that. And then he just waltzed, Cam just waltzed into the end zone on the read option the next play as well. But what a performance by Cam to come up clutch with what's on the line, especially able to cut this. He was asked about this in the post-game press conference. Coach Whittingham was, you know, I'm sure for Cam, like it really did bother and hurt him not to be able to deliver in that moment versus Florida early on in the season. So for him to be able to come up and deliver in this game, I got to imagine was so good for him and man, was it fun to watch. And he was absolutely outstanding in this game with his by far best performance of the season. And honestly, like I said, I really think the best of his career. Yeah. The thing that stuck out the most to me was he just looked in control. And I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. Whereas last week it was, you never know what's going to happen because UCLA is getting pressures, 50% of his dropbacks. Whereas this time, the offensive line was only credited for three pressures. The other six that USC had were all blitzes and stuff like that stuff. The offensive line doesn't really have a ton of control over. So when USC was rushing for, I mean, Cam had a ton of time. He looked decisive. You know, he was hitting all the right reads. Um, Just being very careful, too, at the same time. Explosive but careful is a perfect mix for Cameron Rising, especially at home in front of that crowd. I mean, just everything was going right for him. And only three drops today. I think last week there were a few more. Um, no, no big ones like there were last week, which is also huge. And just everyone pitching in, doing their job, and it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, and there's moments in the game as well where – Cam was outstanding. You can never play a perfect game. I remember one in particular to Solomon Enos. He just overthrows him, wanted to have that one back. But we're not talking about that because he made up for it and made the other plays that overcame those kind of misses like that, as you mentioned. And the receiving core did step up as well. We're going to talk about Dalton Kincaid in a little bit and the unbelievable day he had. But seeing Devon once again, I was actually surprised Devon only had, I believe, I was just looking at it, it was six for, so it was five for 62 yards in total he actually had. So I was I genuinely thought it was even more than that because it felt like every single one was so impactful, moving the chains as well. Even a guy like Money Parks, he only had that one catch. It felt like I think he had another one that was called back after a, another penalty somewhere too, but just such an impact by this receiving group as well. Makai doing a really good job working out of the backfield, and it was great to see this entire offense as a whole step up. When Utah got the ball, we kind of late needed a touchdown to score. Did you think they were going to be able to get it? And once they did score, did you want them to go for two? So for me, I wanted them to go for two for a specific reason. Like 2017, I was at the Coliseum. You know, Tyler Huntley goes down with an injury. Troy Williams coming back in. And Utah's scores a touchdown, which would be the tying touchdown. Uh, down 28-27, they go for two. Don't get it. Whereas this time, it was like the same type of thing against USC, that same team. And I, I, I knew Kyle was going to go for it. And for that reason, I was kind of like, yeah, he's got to get his revenge against these guys because that was honestly just demoralizing. Um, with Utah being like at the the point they were and USC being like a top 10 team at that time. Um, So I thought we were going to go for two and obviously did and, and got it, which is fantastic. But the play that I was scared about was the fourth down. Like when Cam got the ball, he just like walked in and I was very like worried because I was like, you can't be like walking in that effortlessly and expecting not to get crunched by a middle linebacker. Just when Makai had just gotten blasted. Exactly. And it was just wild. But I mean, obviously the offensive line did their job. Cam did his job, walks in the end zone without really being touched just a perfect play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did expect Kyle to go for two. I kind of wanted it too. Cause I mean, at, the, at this point, it's not like Utah's playing for the college ball playoff. Um, and it's just like a huge moment. It would just make it so much better. 
And it did. And you know what as well? I think Kyle Whittingham mentioned this as well in the game. He said, he told Coach Ludwig, as soon as they started across midfield, it was four down territory. And they weren't going to settle for field goals anymore. And not just because they probably didn't think they could trust the guys to make them as well. And that's a conversation for another day. The struggles of Utah special teams did continue a little bit in this one. Although the kickoff coverage got a little bit better later in the game, I'll say. But yeah, it was, it was one of those things where you could tell this Utah team wanted to be aggressive. They wanted to go for it. Personally, before the drive had even started, if they scored, I had said, I want them to go for two. I completely chickened out once they scored. I was like, let's just play this safe. We'll go to overtime. We can trade touchdowns. Like, we'll see if something happens. But I am so glad that Coach Witt stuck with his aggression, as you mentioned, keeping that pass game in mind and decided to punch it in. And man, was it fun to watch Cam lead a drive like that in that stadium. What an incredible atmosphere as well. The painted helmets were unbelievable. If you guys didn't get a great look at those, those were absolutely fantastic. Um, seeing the game as well at the end, dedicated to the moms of Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe as well. Just something really special to see. You could see this team really rallying. Coach Whittingham even spoke to. They dedicated the game to them. And even just every single time they see that moment of loudness, it gives them that extra little bit of juice, which is always just really cool to see. And the moment of loudness has become a special tradition in college football. I was even talking with Yogi Roth last week, and he mentioned it's one of his new favorites as well, even the few games he's been up to Rice Eccles to call football games as well since it's been instated as a tradition. So phenomenal day by Cam leading this offense. That day Cam Rising had, wouldn't have been possible without a key contributor. And we're going to talk about who that key contributor was in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You can earn the trust of that many people. If you can earn the trust of that many people without doing something right at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who have always had your back. Here's why I love it. Simply Safe does a great job, guys, with 24-7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police are forced or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Our monitoring experts use proportionately advanced response technology technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest prop priority police dispatch customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com locked on college save 20 percent on simply safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free visit simplysafe.com locked on college to learn more there's no safe like simply safe cam rising felt absolutely safe yesterday targeting dalton kincaid and what a day dalton kincaid had porter larson tweeted out Dalton was one reception shy of the FBS record for tight ends in this one as well. And man, just an unbelievable day for Dalton had 15 catches in it, 217 yards, the huge touchdown as well. And the other thing that was just so impressive is just the yards after contact he generated too. He was so elusive in the open field Had 79 yards after contact in total in this one, doing a great job making guys miss. He's so great at finding those soft spots in zone coverage as well. Being able to create that separation, get open, go up and get balls. How about his uh, catch along the sideline as well? That was incredible. And there was something I noticed on the jumbotron as soon as he caught, because it was look, that's an incredibly tough angle to see at. I didn't fault the official at all. I think no one did. There was someone on Utah's sideline. I have no idea who it was, but he ran up to Dalton as soon as he holding that ball and said, that's a great catch. You caught that ball. You could read his lips and tell. He knew Dalton caught it. Dalton obviously felt pretty good that he caught it too, but in his situation, who wouldn't? And then to see it confirmed on the Jumbotron was just incredible. He's a special player who makes special plays, and it's a reason he's going to be a high draft pick, I really believe. I think he's going to go in the second round at the latest because of games like this where you see him as an elite blocker and especially an elite pass catcher. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that sideline catch that he had was absolutely ridiculous. And the thing that really stood out to me about that play was the fact that the ball did not move when he was coming down with it. Like those strong hands 
that was absolutely unbelievable. And like you were saying, the yards after the catch, I mean, it was all premeditated. Everything looked so fluid. Like he was making these cuts that were just absolutely absurd. USC had no answer whatsoever. And 100% catch rate, I mean, 16 targets, 16 catches does not get any better than that. I've never seen a tight end do anything like that in my lifetime, at least watching college football. So mm-hmm. that's definitely one that's going to be in my memory forever. I mean, it was just fantastic to watch it happen. And shout out to Dalton because, I mean, he's just an awesome, awesome player. I refer to the Oregon State game as the Clark Phillips game because when NFL scouts are talking about Clark Phillips, the first thing they're going to mention is go back and watch the Oregon State game to see how dominant he is. It's going to be exactly USC's thing. US, the Trojans were aware of Dalton Kincaid, but special players make special plays. It's why every year we see Travis Kelsey lead the NFL in, in receiving yards for a tight end. Those guys are just going to go out there and do their thing, and that's exactly what Dalton Kincaid was able to do in this one. So, so fun to watch him go out there and get to work, and that's something that's been talked about too, right, by the coaches, featuring Dalton more in the offense, and we saw them reap the benefits of it this time around just time and time again able to get open and do his thing as well Dalton is a special player as well and this Utah team is in great hands because they have him moving on to the third takeaway in this one uh, look, I want to, I would love to keep it all positive, but at the same time, we do have to talk about this defense a little bit. And you mentioned Dante, they did get some quality stops and we can discuss that a little further too, but I am really concerned with this pass rush. I mean, like red alert, red flag, whatever you want to say it is sounding every alarm I possibly can, because Utah cannot get home with four against really good offensive lines. They had to bring pressure. I love the Clark Phillips blitz. I thought the corner blitz was absolutely phenomenal. Karene Reed got home a couple times as well, but this Utah team just cannot get back there with four. And yes, there were a couple holding penalties on the Trojans that should have been called. We could spend an hour and a half talking about the officiating in this game. I would personally rather not do that. So let's focus on the defense. And yeah, it's just really unfortunate that guys like Van Fillinger, are, who's been a phenomenal run defender for this Utah team this season, is just really struggling to be wreaking that havoc off the edge. Gabe Reed will pop for a moment, then kind of goes invisible. Junior Tafuna has, has opportunities where every once in a while he's kind of able to push a guy back, but has yet to really been able to be a consistent presence to push the pocket, get that interior pressure as well. So it's just an unfortunate turn for this Utah team that they really don't have an elite pass rusher. Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to um, the coaches and Jonah Ellis. They did a really good job of putting him in because a lot of these times it was just Caleb Williams getting out of the pocket and then Utah didn't really have that speed rusher to, to complement that or to uh, kind of just stop that. So they put in Jonah Ellis who ends up ends with ends the game with six pressures and a sack. I mean, a lot of moments that I realized were just the sideline to sideline speed from him was fantastic. Forcing Williams just out and not really giving him a chance to make a play whatsoever. Obviously, Caleb's going to do his thing, had a couple of magical throws, I'd say. But Jonah Ellis did a really good job. But outside of him, just lacking consistency. And, you know, in a lot of times this game, Utah was getting home and they were getting up in Williams' face and giving him trouble. But it's just not being able to bring him down, not being able to make that tackle. So I thought it was a little bit better, like in terms of just being, being able to beat a tackle or beat a guard. But the wrapping up and just the overall fundamentals in the backfield was very concerning to me as well. I think the other thing that concerns me, and you mentioned Joan, he did a good job too, but there are very few times I felt like that Utah got back there. You know, usually an offensive line, if he can hold his block for three seconds, he did a good job. There were very few times Utah was getting through after three seconds. And the few times you did, they did, as you mentioned, not able to bring him down. And then another thing, credit to Utah for being able to win this game. There were so many moments I was marking in my game notes throughout this game as moments to look back on as to why Utah lost this game, whether it's a third and long they gave up or not being able to bring Caleb Williams down in the end zone. They had an opportunity to get him for a safety and he breaks a Diabate tackle. And I forget who the other person was and then runs down the sideline for a huge game. There's just so many, or how about Caleb Williams making one of the best throws I've seen, honestly, in a long time down the sideline, dropping that one in the bread basket. I can't even remember who caught it because the throw was just so perfectly placed right there. 
Um, and there'll be a lot of time to talk about Caleb Williams as well, who I personally think even right now, a year out from it will be the first route, first overall pick, or at least the leading prospect to go on the 2024 NFL draft. I mean, is there someone I'm forgetting? I don't know. I'm just personally not there. I don't like how he does all this stuff in the backfield. And like it. Hey, there's a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, that you can that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the depth of his dropbacks are way too much for me to like be that high on him. But I mean, the talent's there and it's like, if the coaching with him is right, then sky's the limit, obviously. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes this team so difficult is you can't see Lincoln Riley on display. Lincoln Riley was absolutely working Morgan Scally early in this game as well, and that's credit to Utah for making a couple of those adjustments as well. And Coach Winningham talked about them bringing more pressure in the second half, something that helped them with those five, six-man blitzes, and hopefully with the bye week as well. It's something they can work on a little bit is getting this kind of defense together and be able to get some of those pressures going forward too. But was this a game going on like just throughout the game? Did you feel like Utah was going to find a way to win this game? Because really the first moment I kind of felt it kind of turn was like right before the half when Utah was just down by a touchdown after that late drive they put together. But man, before that, it really felt like USC was going to find a way to win. And every single time the Trojans kept making plays. I mean, we hadn't seen the USC offense on the field for a very long time after the half and the way the ball was for Utah getting it to end it those two scenarios and they still score they had a huge return and then I believe three three plays later they scored in the end zone again so even there I'm still starting to doubt but man I was just couldn't believe this team found a way <laughs> yeah for me it was when they brought out Taka and Donna and they gave them the helmets and all that and at that moment it, you kind of feel the stadium just kind of like getting amped and everything was kind of going our way so that's definitely the moment for me that really stuck out but also the first quarter, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of the 6 p.m. kick because the sun was absolutely dreadful to be in. And I don't know if the players experienced it, but from where I was sitting, like it was just terrible and you can't even see anything. And as soon as the sun went down, Utah starts scoring all these points. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't really know. But um, I mean, that 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 moment when they brought up the helmets and Taka and Donna, that was beautiful. And it was just fantastic. And the moment of loudness, obviously, as well. Just a lot of these things, the home crowd just getting the guys amped and them going to work and just never quitting. That was the main thing. Never quitting, always staying resilient, always believing in each other. And that's what really embodies this Utah football program, you know, family on three. That's a big thing. And the other thing that kind of was kind of was cool to me was most schools try to just block out any sort of field rush, anything like that. Utah mm -hmm. like encouraged it. They were just saying, wait 60 seconds. Obviously nobody waited 60 seconds, but that, I think that really embodies like family on three. Like we want everyone to celebrate fans, coaches, players alike, just all, all in all beautiful night. Um, but I would say, like my buddies were saying, they thought Utah was done, like 21 to 7, whatever. I was kind of sticking around because, I mean, I've seen Utah play USC and Utah go down by a good amount of points and come back. 2016 is the one that come to mind. I think we were down like 10 somewhere some at some point in the fourth quarter, come back and win a crazy game. Same thing happened here. You know, it was bound – the defense was bound to get a couple of stops here and there. You know, USC offensive line isn't going to give Caleb Williams 10 seconds to throw the ball every single time. You know, that's just not a consistent way to play football. So, at the end of the day – Utah did get 28 pressures. Sure, a lot of them were Caleb just taking too long to throw the ball. But at the end of the day, that's how it goes. You know, you can't rely on your offensive line to block 10 seconds for each snap. Um, and that kind of just didn't work out for USC. That style of football doesn't work out when you're playing on the road in a hostile environment like this. And obviously, you talking about victorious. Yes, they did. And I will throw out this there as well, just because I think a lot of people are just like we're tweeting a lot of angry things about the defense yesterday. I still think this secondary is pretty good. I just think it's hard to cover for that long. As we were talking about, eventually those pressures break through, but you can only hold guys in check for so long in a game. But you mentioned just being able to rush the field and all that. And it is one of the things that made this such a special moment and thing as well. And just as someone who was, who did end up rushing the field, what was that kind of like? And just the feeling of when that final buzzer sounded and the youth secured the win, what was that like? Man, it was sweet. There is no other way to describe it. You know, college football is the greatest sport in the world. I'll live by that till the day I die. I mean, just the best 
ever. And to be able to do it against a program like USC, who's got all the NIL money leaving to the Big Ten, it just made it so much sweeter, so much better. And all the all the guys really embraced it. You could tell the players were loving it every single second of it. Everyone on the field, just a fantastic all-around moment to cap off what was probably the best night of the year. I have 100% agree with that. My One of my favorite moments from a USC fan is I was walking to the game. I saw someone in a USC jersey wearing a Big Ten hat as well. So just getting completely petty with it as well. And of course, now has to exit with that Big Ten hat. And yes, they'll have one more shot at Utah next year. But at the moment, the Utes got the last laugh in Rice Eccles. And we'll see how it all plays out. And we're going to put a bow on this game in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your guys' number one source for all your props, odds, lines, and games. Guys, there's tons of great action always going on, college football, NFL football. Sure, the Utes might not be in action this coming Saturday, but, man, there's still a lot of other fun games. How about a huge showdown in the Pac-12 with UCLA taking on Oregon? Game day is going to be there. They should have been at Utah, but we know why they did not come to Utah because they dropped the game. Anyways, lots of fun games going on. Also, MLB playoffs, MMA boxing underway, and NBA starts this week as well, actually. So lots of fun games to get in on at Bet Online. Head over as well to head in, check in with all the latest odds and lines. So head over to Bet Online, guys. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And Dante, just talk finishing up this Utah game as well. I just really think this is this was a moment for this Utah team that they were really able to turn their season around. If you lose this game. Everything you talked about, look, they're not going to the college football playoff anymore. And that was this team's goal. And that's one of the things they're just going to have to live with. And it's not going to happen, but they can still go to the Pac-12 championship. They can still go to the Rose Bowl as well. Still, and if they could do that, they'll still have an opportunity to be Rose Bowl champions, something they have also never done before. So when you look back on this game, what do you think we'll think most about it? Dalton Kincaid. I think that's the bottom line. You know, Dalton Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid more Dalton Kincaid, you know, guy was all over the place. I remember in the third quarter, I was looking at my phone, just looking at the stats and I was like, damn, he's got 160 yards or whatever it was. I mean, I was in shock. And I mean, just kept on rallying and on, tacking it on yards after catch, contested catches, just doing everything. So I think we'll just remember this as the Dalton Kincaid game. And obviously uh, the Ty Jordan or Ty, yeah, Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe game as well. You know, obviously the helmets were beautiful, hand-painted. I think Utah's also undefeated in hand-painted helmet games because I'm not sure if the Rose Bowl last year was technically hand-painted. I think that was just a decal. Um, yeah, that no, was a decal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I, I think Utah is undefeated in the hand-painted helmet game. So um, that's another thing to keep your eye on, the helmet game every year. But, I mean, I think we'll just we'll just leave this at the Dalton Kincaid game, Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe game. I mean, everything you want from it was just absolutely beautiful. Storybook ending. You give, uh, obviously, Taka and Donna the game balls. I mean, everything about this game was just simply beautiful. And, you know, man, we always do game balls on this week as well. Taka and Deanna deserve the game balls as well, for sure. Those would be the number one person if I was giving them away, too. So great job by Coach Witt and this staff to do it. 1,000% a great moment and something so special and awesome that we all just got to witness. In terms of other game balls in this one, look, you highlighted Dalton Kincaid. Obviously got to give one to Cam Rising as well. And, you know, I will give one to this offensive line because this is a USC defensive line that led the nation in sacks, and Cam was never brought down. Now he was, I mean, he was roughed up a couple times, but still did a good job getting it away. And you know someone else I really want to shout out because I was honestly really frustrated with his play early on is I thought Jaron Kump got a lot better as the game went along. One of the reasons Utah really struggled early in this game was because Jaron Kump was really having a hard time getting settled in a right guard, and he really settled in after that. And I thought he did a really good job in pass protection, which isn't surprising because, I mean, that's the easiest transition to me when you go from tackle to guard is pass protection is still the same. There's a lot of things in the running game that are very different, especially pulling and some of those other things as well, even though Utah doesn't do a lot of pulling really. I don't even know if they ever pulled yesterday, obviously mostly just zone blocking, but still something that was just a couple growing pains, but overall the offensive line, I thought they did really well too. I'm going to give one to money parks as well, because still just one of the plays to brought this Utah offense to life in terms of the defense. 
I mean, everyone made a couple mistakes at one point or another, but Cole Bishop still finishing with eight tackles in this one. And I got to give one, two to Karene Reed, seven tackles in this one, four of those being solo also had a huge sack in this one. So I think you got to give a little bit of credit to the defense as well, that as we've talked about, just made a couple of those late big stops like that, because when USC got the ball back, they're still in college football. I believe it was 48 seconds, Dante. Yeah, 48 seconds. That's a, with two timeouts, and you get a first every time you get a first down, the clock stops. That is a ton of time. And this defense was able to really toughen up, tighten up as well, and really get those stops as well. So just an incredible day for this Utah team. So fun to see everyone storm in the field, see them get a huge win. The second year in a row where Utah's gotten a top 10 win at home. This one a little bit closer than the Oregon game. As I mentioned, it will be one of my favorite moments at Rice Eccles. Just watching as soon as Cam crossed the goal line here, that stadium erupt was something that was so special and it was just man so incredible to be there for it and this utah team as we mentioned now sitting at five and two going into the bye and dante how did you feel about this team at the bye pretty good you know the next three games washington state on a weeknight at 8 p.m i believe that's going to be a little bit of a tricky game but after that you got i think i believe it's arizona stanford both at home so i think both those games should be somewhat easy i hate to say that you know it's conference play you never know what's going to happen each given week but i think utah is a pretty pretty good chance to win both of those games and after that it's oregon so that's the next the next kind of super bowl i guess you could say you know we had the super bowl technically like this past week and i just got another game where it's do or die because i mean if utah loses that game you still got usc and ucla i mean there's there's four really really good teams in the pac-12 which we haven't really been able to say in, in a very long time yeah, with each week, we're, we're just going to learn more and more and more about each team. And I think the biggest thing for Utah is just the defense just has to keep maturing. That's the main thing. You know the offense is going to consistently move the ball. Just the defense needs to keep maturing and, I mean, just play better simply, you know, because, I mean, Oregon's a lot more of a different opponent than either UCLA or USC. You know, they're really physical up front. Their offensive line's fantastic. Defensive line's pretty dang good, too, at stopping the run. Um, so Utah's really going to have to play above their their level of experience, especially the defense, to stop that explosive Oregon, Oregon offensive line and run, rushing attack. I mean, they got five running backs who could start for pretty much most Power 5 programs. Like, they're very deep at all their positions, and they're very mature. It's going to be a really tough team to beat, so it's going to be interesting to see how Utah um, kind of prepares for that game as the season progresses. And what's nice with the bye week here is whenever you have a quick turnaround, not a, even a quick, I'll just say, just a normal turnaround from a Saturday game, it's really hard to make a major change defensively. But now you have an entire week to make any major changes you need to defensively, which I think is huge. And also, you can come off those and you don't have to you know your biggest game of the season now looking forward is still over a month away, which I think is huge for this Utah team as well. And look, I think it's also nice that this Utah team has a bye before they play on that Thursday night because that would definitely be a trap game for me if you have to come back down from the incredibly highs of this late come-from-behind win where you didn't even lead the game until the final minute, I believe actually was the first time they even had a lead so just an incredible one for the Utes now they'll come down from it have time to reset get some rest in as well get some guys healthy and get ready and ramped up to go and yeah it is a great day to be at you Dante <laughs> definitely is definitely is make sure you guys follow Dante Guardia at Twitter at Dante Guardia and as well as keep it with him at Ute Zones got some fun stuff coming up we're quarterback power rankings always Cam is Cam moving up We'll see, man, because I, I really want to because personally I'd take him on my team over any of the other Pac-12 quarterbacks, but, I mean, he's still lost to DTR, you know, so I feel like you got to give him give DTR his respect. Even DTR's though. been playing great. Had the bye this week, and great test for DTR next Saturday 
as well. So it's going to be another fun week of college football. And make sure you guys keep it here at Locked On Utes. We're going to be breaking down a ton of stuff with this team as we are at the bye now. So there's lots of different things we can look at at this point in the season, really analyze for this Utah team, talk about what they need to improve on, what they need to do better as well as tomorrow. We'll hear from Coach Witt and discuss all of that with him. Also, if you guys want to learn more about USC, UCLA, this Oregon game, the rest of the Pac-12 Conference, check out Locked On Pac-12. Our host Spencer McLaughlin and other local experts take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. Lots of game recaps and other reactions going on at Locked On Pac-12. Appreciate all of you for tuning in to Locked On Utes. Have a great day.